Welcome to the Revolutionary Health Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I am a licensed clinician in search of how to live a meaningful and healthy life. I challenge both traditional and functional medicine ideologies in search of truth and wisdom. I allow room for curiosity and always keep an open mind. I enjoy deep conversations with my guests, giving them a safe space to share their research and personal observation, as I feel both equally contribute to the body of knowledge and human experience. Note that the opinions of my guests do not always reflect my own, whether I share that openly or not. And of course, the podcast is for educational purposes only. We do not offer medical advice. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for some intimate and unique discussions about finding wellness in the 21st century. Welcome to Revolutionary Health. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I hope y'all had a happy Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I am officially in Christmas mode. I love this time of year. And I know that the holidays have been looking a little different these past two years. And that's exactly why I wanted to have a discussion about stress and gut health. So today we are going to explore the gut brain connection as it relates to COVID-19. I think these past 20 months have impacted us all, and we are starting to get some really good data on just exactly how this has taken a toll on our mental health. And I want to be really careful here. We are not going to discuss any controversial information regarding COVID-19 prevention and or treatments. This is strictly a discussion delving into the gut brain connection in the global context of COVID-19. To set the scene, I start out by asking Dr. Ganoom some just basic questions about our microbiome, because I want you to enter this COVID-19 discussion with just some essential knowledge about the difference between your microbiome and your mycobiome. Okay. I think it's really important to understand the difference between SIBO and CIFO. So your microbiome, that's your bacterial community. Your microbiome is your fungal community. And, and so that means that SIBO is small intestine bacterial overgrowth and CFO is small intestine fungal overgrowth. I want to protect you from making the same mistakes that I made during my healing journey because I didn't understand the difference. And I ended up chasing after the wrong one. I also think it's important to have a basic understanding of how your microbiome health impacts your mental health. It can actually predict depression. So we start there. Then we dive into COVID-19 and the growing mental health crisis. Dr. Ganoom describes what COVID stress syndrome is and how we can use a microbiome approach to treating depression. He discusses evidence-based approaches to healing depression through diet supplementation and lifestyle adjustments. My hope for you is that you leave this discussion with an understanding of two things. First and foremost, if you don't get anything else from this talk, I want you to walk away understanding that your microbiome plays a role in your mental well-being. The second thing I want you to understand is how your microbiome 
plays a role in your mental well-being. Because if you understand the mechanism, if you understand how, then you're more likely to remember that your microbiome plays a role in your mental well-being. Before we dive in, I want to share with you two quotes. And I can't take credit for these quotes. I heard them in church, but I think they really apply to the concepts we are going to discuss today. So here's the first quote. To fear is to put your faith in the enemy. Okay. To fear is to put your faith in the enemy. Now think about that for a second. What in your life are you banking on the worst possible outcome to happen? Now, let me ask you this. When in your life has the worst possible outcome ever happened? Has it ever happened? We plan for the worst, but how often does the worst actually happen? And how much time do we spend worrying about something that never is never going to happen? It's never going to come to fruition. I say this because we have been living in a state of perpetual fear for the last 20 months. And my question to you is this. Who is that serving? Okay. And here's the second quote. Anxiety is imagining a future without Jesus in it. And I think it's pretty easy to apply this thought process across religions. If you don't practice Christianity, just try to picture a future without your North star or without that thing that you place your hope in that's anxiety. If you haven't figured it out, the sermon that I've listened to was about anxiety and fear and worry. And I'm so grateful for the timing of the sermon because it was just before I was about to record this intro about COVID-19 stress syndrome. So that was, I think, really good timing. So who is Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum? He is one of the world's leading microbiome researchers. He is known as Dr. Microbiome. He is a scientist who named the term mycobiome, our body's fungal community. If you want to learn more about his personal story, he has just a beautiful story of how he got to where he is today. And he shared that on, I believe it was Drew Perowitz podcast. So if you look up Drew Perowitz or look up Dr. Mohamed Ghanoum, um, you can listen to that story there. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. He lectures at many institutions globally, including the National Institute of Health on the microbiome and his his breakthrough research on probiotics. He's published over 400 papers on his research and has been cited over 20,000 times by other scientists. For over 25 years, he's been funded by the NIH, who's provided him with over 50 million in grant funding. That's unbelievable. He has recently published some research on COVID-19 stress syndrome, and that's why we are chatting today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving the show a rating and review. I am a one woman operation, and it really helps me to get visibility on, on these platforms amongst the noise. So that would really mean a lot to me. If you enjoy this episode, if you could take a moment and just leave a rating and review. Okay, everyone, please help me in giving a warm, sweet welcome to one of the sweetest, most like genuine, humble people I've had on the show, Dr. Mahamud Ghanoum. Well, hello, everyone. Today I am sitting with Dr. I'm going to say this right, Dr. Mahamud Ghanoum. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
we just practiced this before <laughs> we went live because I want to I want to make sure that I'm I'm being respectful and saying things the right way. I am a, a really big fan of your work. Um, you have done so. You have contributed to the the body of knowledge in so many ways. You're coined, you know, the microbiome founder of that title, and uh, I I'm so grateful that you're taking time out of your day to spend with us. It's my great pleasure to be with you, Stephanie. Oh, thank you. And I have to say, for listeners, Dr. Ganum has a really interesting story about how he came to the United States. It's like it brought me to tears. I listened to that, I think, on Drew's podcast. Um, So if you're interested in kind of his beginnings, definitely check out that podcast because it's a really, really amazing story. Thank you. Thank you. And it also shows how great uh, America is and how it can Really, we as people help each other. And when you come to uh, this place and you, you get somebody to help you, you can move forward and really contribute to the society in this country. So it's a great, thank you for mentioning that. Oh, absolutely. It's a story of kindness and a story of, of unprovoked kindness. Um, yes. You know, somebody just willingly saying, yeah, let me help you. And so I think that that's inspiring. I think we all can probably do more of that and make the world a better place. I really agree. I really agree. Um, So goodness, where to begin? I wrote down like 15 questions that I wanted to ask you (laughs) because I've listened to you talk on so many podcasts and then, you know, questions arise. But first, I I guess I would love if you could explain the difference between the micro, the microbiome, and then what you call the microbiome, because they're two different uh, sort of species living in our gut and they, they, play different roles and work differently. Sure, sure. You know, if you think about it, the microbiome, it's, it refers to organisms that live in our body, okay? And on our body, on our skin, in our mouth, in our gut, in our reproductive system, all over the place. And for a long time, people really used microbiome to mean bacteria, the bacteria that live in our body. Okay. However, in addition to the bacteria, we have fungus, viruses, and archaea that live there. And I am, I've been studying fungus for the last, oh my goodness, it tells my age, over (laughs) 45 years. And guess what? This is a community that live with bacteria. So when we said, you remember the study of fungus, it's called mycology. So that's why I thought instead of microbiome, we should say microbiome, which refers to the fungal community that lives in our body, in the gut, in the skin, in the mouth, as we mentioned. So that's the difference between the two. And what's interesting about this, it's not like they are living separately. They all live in the same city, which is our gut, okay? (laughs) And they interact together. They work together to help us and sometimes hurt us. So Mm -hmm. it's good to look at the total microbiome, which is not only bacteria, but also from my point of view, fungus as well. Mm, Thank you for explaining that so beautifully. You You know, I have a personal connection. And one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you is because I had, I had mold toxicity. A lot of my listeners know that. And I was treated for SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth with things like cyfaxin, which is a common 
drug for that. Um, I didn't get better. I, I did not get better. And it wasn't until a physician discovered that my fun, fun got fungi, however yeah. you say that in plural. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fun, fungi, that's fungi. Great. And that to me was a big turning point. I didn't start to feel better until addressing that. And something that I, I listened to you say, which I found so fascinating is that you can change you like your, your fungi can respond maybe quicker and, and heal yeah. faster than the bacterial population. Why, yeah. what's the, what's the mechanism behind that? And how does, can you explain that more? Yeah, basically we did a study and other people uh, did the studies and they showed that when you adopt a certain diet, okay. Mm-hmm. Fungi can change. In other words, you have the presence of fungus can increase or decrease based on what diet you eat very fast and that's why we call it short-term diet where Mm. fungi change whereas bacteria to change that live in our gut it requires longer time okay and that's what why we call fungi can change very very fast having said that i want to go back to your story which people did not think about fungi in your gut that's SIBO they considered it because the bacteria, but actually it's the FIFO, as you mentioned. You know, as part of the medical mycology community for years, we've been advocating that you really need to think fungus. I can mm-hmm. give you a story, okay? Please. For example, when you go to a doctor, they find you have an infection, they give you antibiotic, okay, to kill the bacteria. However, if you don't improve within four or five days, the clinician should think of, oh, it may be a fungus and mm. start looking into that, you know? So that always we try to say, please keep fungus in the back of your mind just in case things don't go well so that you are able to address it as well. Mm. Yes, interesting. Do you, are there certain, so I've, I've definitely tried diets, you know, for fungus. What are your thoughts on like healthy fungi, like different types of mushrooms, do you treat like with like, or do you not recommend that for somebody that has a fungal overgrowth? I think for fungal overgrowth, there are certain components that can encourage fungus to grow. Like for Mm -hmm. example, sugar, fungus candida in particular loves sugar. That's why our recommendation is that really refined sugar you should not have. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing to try to encourage the, uh, the really decrease, to decrease the fungus, it will be good to have some good protein, okay? Some plant-based proteins are great. Mm. Finally, having vitamins A, B, and C will really help you keep candida under control. Why? Studies have shown that people who have a deficiency in these vitamins, guess what? They have gastrointestinal issues due to candida. So that's why I say, look, cut sugar down, take the vitamins and get into the nice proteins. Okay. Mm. What about, maybe this is too specific of a question, but what about things like honey or maple syrup, those mineral dense sugars, can those also feed candida? You know, this is you are your question is on uh, on the spot, really on the point uh, where you know I say refined sugar. No, you can have honey, 
or maple syrup, the natural one, but mm -hmm. also limited. Don't take sure. too much. I love sometimes to have a cup of tea and I usually have it with no sugar, you know, but if I like some sweetness, I add one spoon of honey and it's really great. As long as you don't overtake it, the honey and the, as you say, maple syrup are great. No problem. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I definitely, I've studied, you know, they're really rich in minerals and I try to get as many minerals from food sources as I can. Um, you also mentioned vitamin A. And so I'm trying to think of like things that are good sources of vitamin A, like I'm like grass fed butter. Like what are you, like, what are your recommendations for vitamin A? You know, a lot, a lot of that cruciferous fruit, for example, they have a lot mm -hmm. of vitamins, you know, sometimes I, I, I say also some milk, milk, but it has to be non-fat uh, non or yeah. very low fat. It will have these vitamins and minerals, you know? That's why people say, do you uh, really tell people not to take dairy? I say, no, no, taking dairy is good provided it's really mm. uh, no fat or very low fat, 1% uh, so far. Wonderful, I, that makes me feel better because we recently um, started getting goat milk from a local, from a, somebody local in our community. So it's, oh, that's lovely. Right. And you know what? I have noticed a difference since consuming goat milk. So that's, that's interesting. Yes. So I'm, I'm interested. Um, I know you, you have with the company biome, you do gut testing, yes. um, and you do, you have probiotics. What do you, what do you look for when you test the gut? And I'll just start there. What are like, what's your, your system? I've used um, the GI map in the past, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've looked at your, um, I watched the video for your testing and I love that you have a scale of what's normal. Like you kind of put people on a spectrum. If, if you don't mind kind of sharing sure. that. Sure. So what, what's the concept of doing the gut testing? Remember at the basis of all of this, for us to be healthy, we need to have a balanced microbiome. The good guys there. I, I always give people an example, like little kids playing together in a sandbox. We need all these beneficial good kids playing together. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we get a bully, then everybody have headache. <laughs> okay. So in our Love gut, that. we need we need these microbes that to be in balance. We need the good guys more, less of the pathogenic ones. Mm -hmm. So how would you do that? Okay. There are a couple of ways to do it, but one of them, just to answer your question, is you take a fecal sample or stool mm -hmm. sample, and then you analyze what bacteria and what fungus. Remember, we want to look at the total microbiome and mm -hmm. see as your stool or your gut microbiome in balance. And we look at the beneficial organisms as well as the pathogenic ones, and we compare this to data from normal people, healthy people, because we already know what's the profile of healthy people, even though there is a lot of controversy about this, people say we still don't know, but we've been doing so many thousands of samples, yeah. at least we have a good idea about what is normal. And we compare the person's stool profile of their microbiome, the microbiome on your stool versus the normal. And based on this, we will be able to say, do you have the right bacteria? Do you have more of the beneficial one? Or do you have a really missing some of them? What about the pathogens? Like, do we have a lot of E. coli? What about the Clostridium C. diff, for example? Mm -hmm. Also, we look at that. We also look, what about your fungal profile? Do you have candida? 
do you have any specific species of candida, like candida tropicalis, for example? The other thing which people need to understand, there are some good fungus, as you mentioned, okay? Mm -hmm. For example, Saccharomyces boulardii, uh, which is a type of Saccharomyces cerevisiae we use mm -hmm. in the um, baking and making beer. This is a good guide. So we need more in it. So we look at your gut and we see whether you have the good yeast, the good bacteria, or do you have imbalance? And based on that, our nutritionist will come out with a recommendation, which is dietary, what sort of diet you should take to try to, for example, lessen one of the protobacteria, which is really a pro-inflammatory or it, it, causes, it really indicator of inflammation then you should eat fiber as well as vitamin D3. So they look at all the profile, they recommend to you the diet, as well as sometimes certain supplements and lifestyle. You know, it's very interesting. Lifestyle is very, very important because a lot of people sometimes, what happens to them, they eat very well, but they mm -hmm. are stressed. And, I, and as you know, these days, who is not stressed, okay? <laughs> right. so, so that's why we recommend also, listen, I know life is hard, okay? But so we need to try to lessen our stress, try to take walks, try to meditate. If you can do yoga, that would be great. So all of these recommendations are derived based on the microbiome profile of the testing that we do. Thank you for explaining that. I love how like, it looks at the whole person, your test. I really appreciated that. And I've heard you mention before a story about a, a woman that you were maybe working with who um, she was doing all the right things and she wasn't getting better. And then you figured out, oh, she was stressed. And that's why <laughs> the needle wasn't moving. And um, I, I couldn't agree more that stress plays such a large role in our, our overall well being. If you can't get that, you know, that little piece together, then you can take all the supplements in the world. You might not, you might not get exactly, better. Exactly. Really, really, this is very, very important that you have all of these things, you know, to try to address the stress. And, and I think that's really neat. That's really neat. Yeah. I love, I love that your, that your test is, is comprehensive like that. Um, I, I have two more questions about this and then I promise I'll get to the hot topic of gut health and depression um, during sure. this pandemic. Cause I know you have a lot of really helpful information about that. Um, I, I like to ask every, um, every expert that I talk to that every gut health expert that I talk to this question, because I get differing answers and I find this fascinating, but for so many people that struggle with small intestine bacterial overgrowth or small, you know, fungal overgrowth, do you recommend the use of probiotics for that? Or if there's, there, there are too many people at the party, do you recommend no probiotics for healing? What's, what's kind of your take on that? I would say the first really approach to try to help SIBO is to do the right diet. Okay. Mm. And you know of the book I wrote, Total Gut Balance, yes. where it describes basically how to balance your microbiome. I tell you something. We did a small study, and I stress it is not a huge study. We tried to do a bigger one, but COVID really slowed the number of people to participate. But in that small study, we had uh, people, three people who had SIBO. And really, after the first week, they did not see much difference. Okay, The second week, same. By third week, they started to feel 
a little bit better. And honestly, by the fourth week, they felt much, much better. And one of them said, I have not felt this like this for a very long time. Mm. So for SIBO, I would go first to let's do it through a diet. Mm. Try to adopt a healthy diet. And also, if you think you need some help, then use a probiotic. Like that is a supplement. It will support your diet. Yes. It should not be people just want to take a, a tablet or capsule for everything. No, no. Mm. That should be an additional really tool to help you. That's how I would do it. Oh, I love that. Th- that reminds me, one of my, one of my favorite quotes um, by Coach John Wooden is, if you don't have the time to do it right, when will you make the time to do it over? So it sounds like in, in your in your opinion, there's no substitute for hard work. You really need to focus on, yes. on getting those habits right before you know supplementing. And that's exactly what it is, a supplement. So a supplement. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing you said very, very it's it's difficult. It's difficult for people to change diets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard because we are used to it. Maybe you brought up any family that love a lot of pasta and this sort sure. of thing, which is good. So what you need to do if you have issue, take your time. I am a great believer in moderation. Don't just mm. jump. Like you have people, they jump into something and they eliminate everything and they can last for two weeks and then they go back. No, right. take your time, start getting, uh, let your body get used to it. And then after a week, you move into a little bit more and more. So do a transition phase. And with that, you are going to be in a really much better situation than just cutting bait and, uh, you know, stop fishing. (laughs) Yeah. Great, great words of wisdom. I I work with a lot of women who use self-care products that have really harmful ingredients. And I don't say, don't throw out your makeup bag. Don't just, you know, when you run out of something, replace it with something that's better. And over time, your makeup bag will be full of all good things and you won't have to worry about it anymore. You make me laugh because my wife is the same. She likes to have, you know, look at the good, good stuff. And as you say, you build it on time and it will be lovely, lovely makeup. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So you don't, um, Yes, it can, it can be overwhelming to make dramatic changes. So just one small step at a time. I think that's that's very helpful advice. So my last question on this topic, and I promise I'll talk about good health and mental health. Uh, no I'm just, problem. I've, I've been looking forward to speaking with you and I'm, I just have questions for you. You talk a lot about biofilm, you know, so and correct me if I have this wrong, but when you have opportunistic bacteria or fungi in your gut, they can proliferate and they can grow biofilms to protect them. So if you are trying to um, get rid of these bad guys, you can't just necessarily wipe them out. You have to do something to bust that biofilm that protects them. Um, Is that an accurate description or? Actually, this is an accurate description. And I can tell you, I studied biofilms for many years and I published a lot of papers and actually yes. a couple of books on this area. We started, when we first started, we looked at people who go into hospital and they put catheters in them. When yes. you have a catheter in them, guess what happened? These bugs, it's similar to what happened in our gut. They come stick to the catheter and they start to form like a colony, okay? Mm. It's like having a jello and inside this jello, you have these bad bugs, you know, bacteria and fungus. And when they are inside this jello, what they do, they really are protected. 
You cannot get rid of them with antibiotic or uh, antifungal. You cannot get rid of them with other ways. So the best way to do is you need to break this cover, the jello, so that I can go in and get rid of the organisms. The same thing we showed in our gut. Remember, for, for the listeners, you know what the biofilm is before we go into the gut? It's like the plaque in your teeth. Mm. You know, the plaque on your teeth, every morning we really clean our teeth because that's a biofilm there, okay? Now, the same happens in the gut. In the gut, what we found that candida, as well as bacteria, they come together and they form a, basically cooperate together and form what you call a biofilm. They start producing this material called matrix, which covers the, the bad uh, bugs, and then they become protected and they start what they do in our gut, they start breaking down our gut lining. You know, mm. it's like you have a tube and the tube, these organisms stick. It's like what we have in our, our home when you have a pipe and you have all these um, mucilage material, you know, uh, in the pipe. That's what they do in our gut. Mm. They go there and they start to break down the gut lining and cause issues. That's why it's very important we get rid of them. How, how do you go about getting rid of them? Well, this is a very good question. One of the ways is like, for example, using of garlic. Garlic mm. is a great biofilm buster. Also, uh, what you call apple cider vinegar also okay. have been shown to break uh, biofilms. The, just for the sake of transparency, biofilm, we showed uh, that the probiotic that produced by biome can break that, uh, that biofilm down, okay? okay? And we published that. We published that in uh, uh, American Society for Microbiology journal called mBio. So you can do it through using some of those garlic, turmeric, uh, as well as apple cider vinegar, but also having a, a, the probiotic, uh, biome probiotic can also break this down as well. Oh, wonderful. So I love that you can, you can use food as a biofilm buster, or you can take um, a probiotic that has biofilm buster in it. Yes. yes. Wonderful. Um, well, I will go ahead and transition us into our, what we came here for. <laughs> ah, Dory, it was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for humoring me and answering my questions, because as I was listening to you and reading your work, these just kind of came up for me. And I, I do appreciate you taking the time uh, to answer it's them. My, my pleasure. You know, something interesting, I was reading about what you have to say about the connection between gut health and depression. And it, I, I come from physical medicine. I'm an occupational therapist by trade. That's my background. And in physical medicine, when somebody has a hip fracture, you, you can essentially, there's data that you can essentially predict somebody's death date based on the day that they break their hip. And it kind of sounded a little bit similar that the, that the microbiome can sometimes predict depression in patients. Is that, is that an accurate comparison or, or how, how would you, how would you, yeah, go for it. So let's, let's, <laughs> no, no, this is really very good, very good uh, uh, example, which is similar to what we are going to talk about. So what, what happened Studies have been showed that mm. the microbiome in our gut, if it is out of balance, it really can cause depression. I tell you why. Why? Because of the what we call gut-brain access. Our brain talks to our gut and our gut talks to our brain. 
okay? And because of this, you know, if you have really uh, disturbance in your, like if you have disease like irritable bowel syndrome, something in your gut, a lot of these people tend to have also up, up to 60% of them, they could have depression. So this told us that, you know, there is a relationship between depression and the microbe that lives in our gut. And you know, what's so interesting, studies were done, which showed that the level of good bacteria, such as bifidobacterium and lactobacillus, as you know, these are used as probiotic samples. They, have, they found them to be less uh, uh, level or lower level in people with depression compared to those who are healthy. So, yeah, so really clearly there is a relationship between the microbiome imbalance and depression. And that's why if we can address the microbiome and make it more balanced, then you are gonna have hopefully less depression and studies have shown that. Interesting. So what, what, do, you do, what do you do with that kind of information? If we know that there is a gut-brain connection and that the microbiome can, we know certain bacteria are associated with depression. How do you, how do you recommend addressing yeah. that? Well, what we did, we looked into the literature and mm -hmm. as you know, studies have shown that diet is also related to depression, okay? So when you think about it, these studies showed that people who are depressed, they tend to be in high intake of sugar. They, took, mm -hmm. they, they eat a lot, their diet contains a lot of sugar as well as refined carbs, however, other people who, are on, uh, who adopt a healthy eating habits, they tend to have a decreased risk for depression. And a couple of examples which were published before is, for example, the Mediterranean diet have been shown to help people uh, with their depression and really improves the, the, the level of depression. In other words, it decreases. it. Whereas mm -hmm. if you eat something like Western diet, which is a lot of burgers, a lot of uh, you know, processed food, processed uh, cured meat, for example, have been shown to be pro-inflammatory. And because of this, they have more depression and depressive symptoms. If you're in my community, you know how passionate I am about educating others on the harmful effects of glyphosate and the many ways that it impacts our health. This impressive and destructive molecule disrupts our microbiome it diminishes our innate immune system, and it even impairs the way we make protein and antioxidants, you know, because it acts as a glycine. But I'll get into that some other time. For me, consuming or trying to consume a 100% organic and diverse diet hasn't been enough for me to heal my gut. This is where Ion Gut Support comes in. This product has made a profound impact on my personal health as well as the clients I serve. Ion is something everyone can benefit from using because none of us are protected from exposure to glyphosate. It's in our rainwater, it's in the air we breathe, glyphosate is ubiquitous. When it comes to the gut, we all need the same foundational support. Nature's intelligent. Her beauty lies in her ability to seamlessly provide unique assistance to each of us. But her intelligence is at war with chemicals 
you know, like glyphosate <laughs> that continually impact our health, old and young men and women, pets and humans alike. In order to target individual health, we need to first address the source. And that's why I use ION. ION works by fostering communication at a cellular level. It provides the foundation for the immune system to function, nutritional wellness, and digestive support that we all need. So head on over to intelligenceofnature.com and you can use the code Holistic House for a free three ounce bottle with the purchase of a 32 ounce bottle. The three ounce bottle is perfect for traveling. And I, I recommend keeping it when you used it all and refill it and then take that with you when, whenever you're traveling. To me, that's arguably when you need eye on the most. So what you'll do is you'll put both the 32 ounce and the three ounce bottles in your cart, and then you'll apply the code holistic house, all one word. I cannot say enough positive things about this product. Not only do I take this before each meal, I diffuse it in my home. I've even created a, a really cool scalp tonic with it. This is a very gentle way to create balance in your body, and it's safe for children, adults, and even your pets. Again, that's intelligenceofnature.com, and your code for a free three-ounce bottle is Holistic House. When you try this product, send me a message and share your experience with me. Some of you have already done that, and I love hearing from all of you. It brings me so much joy to witness us all getting healthier together. Okay, back to the show. So that's one thing you can do is you can help yourself by eating the right way. That inspires another question for me of, of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because just in my time, I can specifically picturing a time when I worked in the hospital and people were, when people were really stressed, that's when they would want the sugary foods. You know, like uh, that's when a nurse would go out and buy everybody a bunch of donuts or something. <laughs> so that makes me wonder, are people eating the sugary, or do people who are stressed crave the sugary foods? Or is it that when we eat the sugary, maybe a sad diet type of foods, does that contribute to stress and make it, I don't know. You know, it's like a vicious circle. It's a vicious circle. Yeah. You know? You, one will feed on the other, one will feed on the other. You are depressed, you take more sugars. And then, as we said, you know, refined sugar is not good. Also, right. people sometimes tend to have sweeteners, a lot of sweeteners uh, in their uh, substitute, sugar substitute. Also, what we showed, believe it or not, this can increase the presence of one type of bacteria called the protobacteria, okay? Mm -hmm. Which is a red flag for inflammation, okay? And this protobacteria, which I mentioned before, what you need to do, if you can bring it down, because the inflammation will affect our brain, and that, of course, is going to increase the, the depression, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's very important to uh, avoid these, because the more you have sugar, the more depressed you are, have, mm -hmm. and so you need to break that cycle, as I said. Yeah, that's, oh, goodness, that's such a hard... That's, that's not an easy thing to do, I imagine, especially given our time that we're living in. We're just people are incredibly stressed. Oh, um, 100%. You speak about something called the COVID stress syndrome. Do you mind explaining what that is and, and why it's a, it's a growing mental health issue? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, once COVID started, 
within very short time, even one month, the prescription for anti-anxiety increased a lot. Also prescription for antidepressant and, and for sleep to help people to sleep, anti-insomnia drugs increased a lot. And it is not a surprise. If you think about it, what happened, we are uh, under lockdown, you know, when mm -hmm. we started and even now some people are. And when you are under lockdown, you are not seeing people, you are not seeing your, your uh, loved ones. You know, I know grandparents, sometimes they don't even see their grandkids. And all of this create uh, really depression. The other thing we are doing, you know, during COVID, we are doing so many Zoom calls. The kids spend so much time playing, you know, you know and then these games, we are in front of our computer and we are sitting there, very, very little uh, physical activity. And we know good physical activity is really very helpful with respect to uh, having uh, less depression. You know, yes. the more you have in exercise, the more you can increase the diversity of the microbes. In other words, you have more beneficial organism in your gut, okay? And at the same time, you can reduce the bad one, okay? So if you are sitting and locked down, you know, sitting in front of the computer, you're doing all these things, which not, uh, you know, does not take you out, is really could contribute a lot to depression, okay? That's what COVID brought to us. So mm. socially, as well as physically affected us. And of course, you know, being in the house with all the kids in the house, trying to manage their school. Oh, I tell you something. I know my grandkid, for example, my wife was trying to help them with their virtual uh, classrooms. Oh my goodness, it's a nightmare. And because mm -hmm. of this, you have more stress. So you can see really myriad of different things that COVID brought to us, increased the uh, our depression level. Wow. That's a really, you know, you, I didn't even consider screen time playing a role in that. I'm fortunate that I'm, I'm old enough when I was in school, it was still um, a notebook and paper. It wasn't, screen, <laughs> it wasn't screens. We had like um, those overhead projectors and, and things. So um, goodness, that adds, that adds just a whole nother flavor of, of stress. And um, not to mention, um, I'm thinking like melatonin disruption, if you're constantly yes. getting that blue light, which yes. I, I understand melatonin is produced in both the brain and the gut. Yes, yes. That's the other thing which really you, you, you reminded me is mm -hmm. we need to remember before we thought it's only our brain that tell us what to do. But now with all of these like uh, uh, melatonin, other really uh, hormones are produced in our gut also. So you have mm -hmm. dopamine, you have the other stuff in the brain, but you have also the others in the gut, which really can uh, affect you, you know? Like for example, cortisol. Cortisol, a lot of it is produced in the, in the gut. And when you have, remember this cortisol, it's what tell us, fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. You know, this hormone tells you, okay, go for it. But when you have a lot of it, guess what? You are going to have a number of neurological issues, including depression. Yeah. So both of them, we need to think of both. It's a bi-directional communication, up and down, and mm -hmm. down and up. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I Cortisol is something that I measure in, in my practice. And I would say the majority of women that, that come to work with me um, complain of just not having energy to make it through the day and looking at their cortisol, you know, morning, noon, evening, afternoon, evening, it's bottomed out. They, they're just not producing it anymore because it's their system is so exhausted. And I can't help but wonder if that's part, you know, we're just under so much stress that we're just not, we can't keep up with it. I really agree with you. I really agree. And really my heart goes to uh, women because women are the hub of the wheel. I, as I tell my wife, you know, they are hub of the wheel. They keep the house running. Mm-hmm. They make sure take care of their kids. They t- and they do also work, you know, and you know how much stress was put in women now because they have to do everything. In addition, uh, try to take care of, you know, their job, their kids, their everything. So no wonder you see a lot in your practice that have this. Yes. Yes. And, and on top of that, every one of them complains about either constipation, diarrhea, gas bloating. So their you know, their tummies aren't happy either. Yes. And um, I really appreciate your work because you acknowledge that the body's connected, that it's all, you know, it, it, it's not like, you know, if you have a problem with your arm, well, your arm's connected to the rest of your body. (laughs) So it's it's not like we, I think that, you know, sometimes I I struggle with specialties because, you know, if you, if you go see a kidney specialist, well, your kidney affects your whole body, right? Because it filters. So it's, it's really, to me, specialties are great because it allows somebody to be really laser focused on on one specific area of the body because the body is so complex. But then on the other hand, you missed kind of the overall big picture. Yes. And that's why really I suggest a holistic approach to this. It's not one one thing. We need to try a multitude of things. You know, you need to do lifestyle, stress, sleep better, use stress, also try to have probiotic if you need to, because studies have shown that, you know, probiotic can help in stress. And of course, the mother of all of this is the diet. <laughs> try <Yes>. to improve it. <laughs> I think that is very, I love that that is your kind of your compass pointing north because um, yeah, we vote with our fork three times a day, right? We vote yes. for our health with our fork. So can't underestimate the value of eating food that nourishes us. Yes. And, you know, I just have to tell you about exercise. I have a dog, a a border collie. We call him Prince. And (laughs) I love to take him for a walk. So if you have a dog, take them out for a walk. Or Mm. if you don't, just go out. We have a beautiful country. And Mm. But I tell my wife, listen, it's not just for him. It's for me. I love it because, you know, you go out after working. We work very hard. And then by the time that I go home, you are stressed out. So when I take him for a walk, I really enjoy it because yeah. it's lovely. You walk and he he is uh, walking around and, and I make, uh, you know, these Border Collie dogs are very full of energy. <laughs> People laugh at me because he he is taking me for a dog, <laughs> for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the other way around. He's walking you. <laughs> He's walking me. So, but I enjoy it. I think it helps. Oh, absolutely. When I, between calls, I always, you know, take a, take a stroll around the block just to not be looking at a screen, get, gets my eyes with some real sunlight instead of the artificial light. And it just gives me opportunity to reflect and breathe and 
access creativity. I lose creativity when I'm staring at a screen all day. So you write about a microbiome approach to treating depression. And I would love for you, I know you've, you've talked about that some, but I would, you talk about some specific probiotic strains that are, that are helpful. And I I would love to hear why they're helpful and, and how you recommend getting them. First of all, I think probiotic strain, why, why probiotics are useful for uh, treating depression? You know, because remember, the main point we are trying to do is to try to rebalance our microbiome in the gut. Because mm-hmm. we have shown that if you balance, if you have a balanced microbiome, your depression is going to go down. Okay. And the main function of the probiotics, to come back to your question, Wow, what do they do? First of all, the probiotics, they support the beneficial microbes. So you have microbes there such as bifidobacterium, Mm -hmm. uh, lactobacillus. Remember, I talked to you about saccharomyces. So these probiotics support their beneficial organism. Also, studies have shown that they also can really uh, fight the pathogens, the organisms that cause disease, okay? The other thing about probiotics, which is very interesting, we didn't talk about, is they are able to produce some chemicals, small chemicals, we call them metabolites, okay? These metabolites, I'm sure a lot of people heard about it, such as short-chain fatty acids, okay? These, what they do, these uh, little chemicals, they can improve our immune system, which means we have better immunity, we are able to fight a disease. Also, they reduce the inflammation, which Mm -hmm. is, again, when you reduce the inflammation, you are going to have less effect on our uh, gut-brain axis, okay? And and in fact, studies have shown that these probiotics, they they can improve the gut-brain axis connection, which, of course, as we mentioned, controls depression. So that's that's what really... So that's why they, how they do it. Oh, thank you for explaining that. That's, I have not heard that before. That is really, really interesting. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And you also talk, and I I think part of what I I love about your, your microbiome approach to treating depression is it's, it's multifaceted. Really, you make it clear that sleep, stress reduction, diet, exercise, those all, those all play a role. Probiotics are just that there's their supplementation for all of those things. It's yeah. really important to get those, those other aspects, those lifestyle aspects together. Do you have any like food recommendations for supporting? Like you talked about anti-inflammatory, antioxidant rich foods. Like, I mean, uh, cruciferous vegetables are really awesome. great because they have anti-inflammatory as well as antioxidants. Also, I always love to say, look, let's eat the right oils, for example. For example, coconut oil. You can have extra virgin olive oil. You know, I come from the Mediterranean and, oh, we always, my mom used to buy the tanks of uh, <laughs> olive oil, you know. And all of these natural products are very important. Fruits and vegetables are really critical as well. You know, I, I, for example, at lunchtime now, I always have tomatoes. I love tomatoes. I love uh, cucumber. I get fruits, uh, apples, and bananas. So at lunchtime now, I'm, I'm focusing on fruits and vegetables more so than anything else. And we mentioned, remember, you need to have apple cider. Vinegar is very good. Mm. You know, one thing which we didn't talk about, nuts. 
For example, pistachios. Oh my goodness, it's <laughs> pistachio as well as almonds. They mm. will really help you. Like at 10 o'clock in the morning, because I I rise, I, I wake up early. So by 10 o'clock, I am I got to be hungry a little. So I take either pistachios or almond or I you know mixed nuts and just a little bit, which keeps mm. you going till your uh, lunchtime. So these are really good food. You can have some optional type of food, for example, eggs. You can have poultry, turkey, chicken is really, really nice. Nice. We should, we should have. And a lot of the time, tofu, tempeh, all these fermented food, they can have good probiotic strains in them. So all in all, if you follow this, you should be in a really good shape, I hope, and you will balance your mm-hmm. gut and have less depression. What is, what is your take on cooked vegetables versus raw vegetables? Is there different benefits to each of them or in terms of being able to feed good gut bacteria or in fungi or does that matter? You know, let me put it this way, the way I like to eat uh, uh, vegetables and fruit. I Like for example, even tomato is a fruit, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like it to be uh, uh, raw. Uh, cucumber and this sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, raw. But if you can have mixed vegetables, you know, the root root vegetables, the potatoes, sweet potatoes and whatever, it's nice to have to bake them. Bake them is very nice, you know. You can, I, I really like, like it to be baked. You know, you put some, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit yes. of garlic and lemon. Lemon, oh, fantastic. Mm. So that... <laughs> Making me hungry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so all of that will really be very helpful uh, and healthy. So both of them will provide enough in, uh, nutrients to our good bacteria and fungus so that they can survive and help us as well. And what do you feel? Uh, what is your take on like fermented foods, like like miso? Do you feel like that helps your gut, or what? What are your opinions there? Yeah, I mean clearly in the. Uh, 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 Asian regions, they really eat a lot. Like in Japan, when I went, a lot of these fermented food, miso soups and whatever. I really think they are helpful. They are helpful. But again, I always like variety. Don't mm-hmm. stick to one thing. Yeah. You know, but these are, they are really nice. Whenever I go, I enjoy it in Japan, you know, and uh, I, I think they are, they are useful. But I, I, I like, uh, I come back to, uh, to my Mediterranean uh, add to it as well. So I enjoy both. Interesting. And they are have you noticed any, um, have you ever looked at like blue zones and, and looked into the gut health of, of centenarians or, or people that live to be a hundred years old? Like, is their gut different than populations like in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's so funny you said that. You know, there are big study in Italy. They did uh, people who live uh, for all, and they found that they have different uh, type of the microbiome. So definitely it is different. Sometimes, of course, people talk about uh, wine, for example, red wine, uh, especially in Italy, France, uh, Spain, they take a lot of, to me, I would say red wine could be helpful, but maximum to be three glasses a week, because you know, you know the bad effect if you overtake it, not only in the microbiome, because studies have been shown too much alcohol will affect our microbiome, but of course they have their cardiovascular stuff. So in Italy, their food, when they have the vegetables, the Mediterranean type of food, 
is really helpful to live uh, long, mm. you know? Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. You just made me think of something else. I mean, we were talking about stress earlier, and I feel like an added stress in today's time that we didn't have maybe 50 years ago is you know, you mentioned red wine and I'm thinking, okay, but it has to be organic because grapes are sprayed with pesticides and herbicides that we know, you know, can cause leaky gut and the fruits and vegetables are great, but you know, what's the biodiversity of the soil like? We know that that's declining and goodness, when we go to a grocery store and we are buying processed food, we have to read the labels and try to interpret what all of this says. And you're doing, you're researching things on your phone for 10 minutes before you're buying, you know, a thing of brown rice. (laughs) To me, that's, um, that's a stressful experience when you're in the grocery store, maybe you're limited on time, maybe the grocery store is busy and you don't want to be standing there on your phone researching things. And you're, that's kind of the world we live in today um, because we don't have a lot of governing bodies that prevent certain chemicals and things reaching our food. Yeah. Um, What kind of, yeah. I think you need to have some general guidelines, okay? General guidelines that will help you because otherwise you live your life, it's, as you say, so stressful. I want to be less stressed. I want to (laughs) eat the right thing. And then I go to the supermarket and gives me. So to me, I have general rules that you have to follow. Okay. okay. Try to have nutritionally balanced diet, like whole food based diet. Okay. Try to have food that have a lot of fiber, beans, and this sort of thing, because this is important. Also, try to have some resistant starch. You know, people don't think about resistant starch. Winter squash, you know, sprout green, wheat, uh, oat, for example, even uh, potatoes. You know, sweet potatoes, for example, is very good. Also, try to get food that is not uh, low in saturated fat to be high in mono and polyunsaturated uh, uh, fat is very, very important. You need try to go, steer away from meat, rich meat with a lot of fat and this sort of thing. I love fish, for example. Mm. Oh, this is great. You know, try to have that. You know, something that it should not be so strict. Otherwise, it's, nobody will stick to it. You need a diet that's flexible, that's diverse, as well as that's customizable. You make it to do this. So when I go to the market, supermarkets, okay, I go and choose, but I don't have to to be obsessed about this. And you know, a lot of families can't afford all of these organic food. It's so expensive. Look, as long as you have variety, you make sure, wash them, for example, with, you know, to get rid of any pesticides and whatever, then you should be okay if you follow okay. these general rules. Wonderful. Well, thank you for, yes, I, I, I could feel my stress rising just talking about that. <laughs> because, um, I, you know, I've been there and, and I, I definitely, I have to, just in my own life, I reconcile with these two schools of thought, you know, because I had a, a mold exposure, I think, okay, yeah. do I, do I try to live in a bubble? Do I try to prevent coming into contact with any sort of toxins or do I try to strengthen the host so that when I do come in contact with toxins, I can handle it. And, yes. um, it's a very, it's a, you know, I think there's, there's benefit to both sides. Like, yes, if, if I'm aware of certain toxins that are big offenders, yeah, I should try to limit my exposure to them. At the same time, a healthy body should be able to Deal interact with it. in yes. the world. Yes. yes, yes. That's why, like, you know, now uh, I, I do more exercise. 
I, I walk, as I said, I try to eat well. I think, look, we should be fine. If you follow these, <laughs> be moderate in whatever you do. Try to mm. be careful what you eat. You are going to be fine. Don't, don't. I am, maybe to finish, I am so optimistic person. You know, yeah. I really I think, you know, we are going to be fine. Just be optimistic. Try to do the right thing. Try to adapt and take it easy. Be moderate and you are going to be great. <laughs> and stop stressing. All right. <laughs> well, Dr. Gandum, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to, oh, to speak with pleasure. me. Um, I will put links in the show notes to um, your Dr. Micro, microrobiome um, website, the biome uh, where people can look at the probiotics yes. and then microbiome reports podcast. Thank you very um, much. Thank you again for coming. This was, I learned so much from you. I appreciate you. It's and great pleasure. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed us. it, by the way. Oh, I really enjoyed good. it. Thank you for having me. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Have a great rest of the week. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Goodness, that was a lot of information. Today, we learned what is the microbiome? What is the mycobiome? What are the differences between the two? We learned about how do you test for gut health? I think it's important to know how to test for gut health if you're going to use gut health as a measure for mental health, right? So we talked about that. We talked about the order of operations when it comes to treating gut dysbiosis, right? That the, the fungal community has a faster turnover rate than the bacterial community. That's really important to know. We talked about the connection between our gut health and our mental health. We talked about COVID-19 stress syndrome, what that means, who's impacted, and how it relates to our microbiome. And we also talked about how microbiome health can predict depression. I hope you leave this episode understanding these two things. One, that your microbiome plays a role in your mental well-being. And two, how your microbiome plays a role in your mental well-being. And I want you to leave remembering this quote to put, or excuse me, to fear is to put your faith in the enemy. To fear is to put your faith in the enemy. Do you want to be somebody who makes decisions based on fear? Next week, I will be doing things a little bit differently. I want to share with you what I've learned over the past year and how I've grown and changed and some of the aha moments I've experienced over health and wellness that uh, you can take and apply to your own life. So I won't be interviewing anyone. It'll just be me uh, like it was in the very beginning for those who have listened since day one. And if this goes well, if, it, if it's received well, I, I might make it a more regular thing. We'll see about that. So let me know if you end up liking the solo episode and then I can, uh, I can kind of take that feedback and go from there. I've got links for you in the show notes, goodness, links galore to where you can find Dr. Mohamed Ghanoum, where you can find myself. Um, if you want to get connected, I have a private Facebook community where you can learn about upcoming guests and you can post questions. If you're wanting some one-on-one -on -one attention with me and you're interested in functional lab testing, I will have open slots in the new year. You can visit my website, www.theholistichouse.org. Oh, okay, everyone, deep breath. <laughs> it's that time again. Go back out in the world, be well, and be kind.